Borag Thong Earthlets. My name is Conrad alongside my friend Fox, and this is the 128th episode of Space Spinner 2000 podcast, where two Americans try to make sense of the UK's own galaxy's greatest comic, 2000 AD, one month of progs at a time. This episode we're covering 2000 AD for March and April 1985, progs 411 to 415. Holy damn. Yeah, this time, Dread fights big robots and young Jews. The Hell Trek concludes, and Halo Jones, or, or the Hell Trek concludes, Halo Jones reaches her destination, Rogues goes, Rogue goes to the bugs, and Slain begins a new adventure. This is our one five progger of 1985, just because I didn't want to be left hanging at the end of a couple of these stories. And if you want to read yeah, along, yeah, and, and it's like the end of some really depressing story. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. I couldn't. It'd be a real bummer to start next episode and just have like one capper for Halo Jones and one capper mm-hmm. for uh, for Hell Trekkers, you know? Yeah, uh, firm agree. Yeah. If you want to read along with us, you'll find the comics we're covering today in Judge Dredd: Complete Case Files Eight, Slain Time Killer, The Ballad of Halo Jones Book Two, Rogue Trooper Tales of New Earth Three, and you can find Hell Trekkers collected in the Judge Dredd magazine issues two eighteen to two twenty three. You know the title unlock for Time Killer has got to be like pretty fucking strong right like when you just get straight up called the time killer i mean you did you know, some shit you know i mean yeah we're definitely gonna see how what slain's done in the course of the next couple of weeks you know it involves definitely a lot of traveling through time and a lot of killing people so i feel like it's sort of a valid uh, name you know also i want to say before we we begin the show just because there's no great place to say it um as we're recording today um we got oh, the yeah. news that uh carlos escara died which is a a, a, a massive like bummer it, like that's not the right word for it um for me it was just a gut punch it's really like sad you know carlos escara is a, a you know i think probably our favorite art or at least one of our favorite artists in the course Easily. of 2000 ad Easy. and he's responsible for the creation of so many great characters in the course of it i mean judge dread strontium dog um his work with um the stainless steel rat is fantastic which we, which we just finished um you know it can't be said enough the importance of his contribution to 2018 comics in general and he's sadly sadly missed by uh, both fox and i and uh, just Kind of a blow to the art community. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'm, you know, it's going to be an interesting thing to see what 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 happens in in the wake of this. I mean, you know, mm. he's a, a a lion of the form and someone who's sti- who was still working on 2000 AD. You know, when he died, like you know, he had new comics oh coming out and stuff. So just what where they go from here, where they go with these characters and stuff is going to be really is something that's that's interesting to look at. I think. Yeah, absolutely. Damn. Yeah, super bummer. And, um, you know, with oh, that God. sort of somber tone, let's keep that going <laughs> with oh. uh, Thrill One, Halo Jones Book Two. I feel like I should have been just prepared after reading Skiz <laughs> and, like, reading Book One. God. Yeah. Damn, Alan Moore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it gets pretty. Yeah, it, it 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 gets right to it in sort of yeah this uh, in this thing. So script robot Alan Moore, art robot Ian Gibson, lettering robot Steve Potter. Eight months out, and it's time to, for the turn in Halo Jones book two. Um, yeah, Halo's bringing some parts to mix nine gold and tries to ask him to this equator party that's happening that night, but he's mostly oblivious. Like, yeah, dude, like what what the actual butt. Like he's, uh, I don't know, he's a dick. Yeah, I think that's basically the answer is that he's just sort of a dick and doesn't recognize that like Halo's trying, even like attempting to talk to him more Mm. than anything else, you know? 
So much so that when she's trying to ask, he just kind of pawns off the like audio tapes. Yeah, well, uh, it, from it, Toby. Yeah, because she's trying to say like, oh, like you know, I'll be all alone and just sort of missing my friends, and he and he's like, oh, well, we can't have you doing that. And she thinks she's gonna he's gonna ask him, and so he says, oh no, like don't miss your friends. Like take Toby's memory tape, and maybe you'll be able to remember your friends and and their and, and their memory and their voices can keep you company, which is ridiculous. Um, which is a horrible thing to yeah. say to somebody. <laughs> but so Halo gets Toby's memory tape, and um, she goes to listen to them, and yeah, instead of being lonely. Uh, meanwhile, Toy has been asked to the, to the party, and she's going to wear this splatter smock, which Halo helps spray, and is pretty cool. Yeah, it's awesome. Yeah, and we learned that uh, Toby is on patrol that night. Later, Mix bumps into Toby and tells him about the memory tape, and Toby freaks out and braces Mix against the wall. We cut to Halo in her room, in her bathrobe, sort of reliving the events of book one of Halo Jones, basically. Um, like, it's you know. at this point that I think it's just like, She's going to hear him, like, ripping into the people when he went on this hunt or, like, mm-hmm. something really fucked up to that extent. So much worse. Yeah. You know, we hear uh, Rodice getting hit by her own Zenaid and then the two of them having to go above the, the, the hoop to go to, to, to go shopping. And Toby couldn't come because the salt air would uh, apparently rust him or so he said. Instead, though, it seems that instead of just taking a shortcut, Toby went back to their apartment and having learned that he's been willed to Halo, we hear him murdering Brenna. Which he, is just... Yeah, it's, it's, it's heartbreaking. And the art on this page is amazing. We see the way Halo's face like falls, like she was happy. And we see her like being shocked and horrified, turning to rage and sadness as she reacts to the truth, and then morphing into fear as a terrifying Toby enters her room. I did it all for love. Which, Woo. oh boy. Pretty <laughs> scary. Meanwhile, there's a party going on. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> People talk in politics, and I love what's being seeded here, mm. actually. So as they're kind of going through talking about the the tarantula nebula and like, hey, what's really going on and what do people think? But they're they're giving these clues of just like, hey, you know, well, they could be doing this or they could be doing that. One of which is apparently uh, something called a rat war. But you need something called like a like a rat emperor or something. Yeah. And though that's yeah. been outlawed for centuries. Those things don't exist anymore. And we're just like, wait a minute. Yeah, I love yeah. this. Um, that kind of gives you this sense of dread here. Mm. Um, Toy, meanwhile, is just thinking about her soaps and doesn't really care about this stuff. Meanwhile, and comments yeah. on it, and everybody just kind of goes flatline when she does. <laughs> right. <laughs> meanwhile, Halo is getting very nervous about Toby with good reason as he professes his love for her, spins a story about going to Capex World to get a human uh. body and stuff. But as he does, she, he sees she's clearly not into it, so he's going to have to kill her instead until she smacks. Yeah. You know, until she smacks him inside the head with Toy's robot arm wrestling machine. Uh, Halo runs as Toy's date gets, uh, chats her up and, like, tries to, like, you know, puts his arm against the wall and stuff like that, but keeps calling her Joy instead of Toy. Which, I mean, bad call. Yeah, especially for someone who's, like, two heads taller than you, basically. Uh, Toby gives chase as Toy smacks some sense into her date and heads home as Toby manages to bite Halo's ankle. Which, oh god. And mind you, mentioning that he has like razor sharp teeth. Yeah. Toy finds signs of a struggle as a fleeing Halo passes Glyph in the hall. Halo runs into a re- yeah. into the rear engine room and slams the door just as Toby bursts to the wall. 
She thinks she's safe in the noise and darkness of the room, not knowing that Toby has infrared vision. Really? And my, he says some really creepy shit, like, uh, like infrared vision and like, you know, I can see your heat pattern, like through all this stuff. And it's really pretty. I'd like to see it up close. Like, yeah. No, he's really, yeah. Out. He's really, I mean, you know, obviously he has been for a long time, but it definitely makes him, um, he really makes this, this switch to like murderous, like, you know, would be lover or something like that. Um, so convincingly and so, and so scarily, you know, that it's just, um, it's really like, like terrifying this whole section. Yes. Uh, Halo runs through the engine room as Toby stalks her. He tackles her down and prepares to rip her throat out with his razor sharp teeth. But Halo pulls a welder from a tool bench and blasts Fuck. him with it. Toy comes running after a Toby's scream, passing Glyph as she does. Toy arrives and wrestles Toby away, and the two manage to force him into a nearby furnace. You know, zero to 450 degrees in a second. Surely that stopped him. He's a puddle, right? Wrong, because Toby bursts out a flaming, melting, enraged mass and runs to attack the two women. But at the last minute, Glyph, who's been sort of observing all this, she, like, tried to tell toy what was going on but of course toy couldn't um you know hear her or or hear them say it basically um toy or uh uh, uh glyph steps in rolls a barrel of gasoline or, or a futuristic equivalent i guess in the way of the burning droid and both are caught in a massive explosion toby is destroyed and glyph is killed but toy says that nobody died to which is man yeah it's uh, tough like this double sucker punch you know of just like Glyph being like a, a character who has just been around for a, a handful of progs. So, and we've talked about her a little bit, like them, yeah, and and the intrigue of it, and this being the way that she goes out and is remembered, yeah, quote unquote, right? Yeah, like, fuck. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's it's um it's a big thing of yeah of of Glyph sacrificing themselves um and being a, a hero, but because of sort of the nature of you know the 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 superpower they have um. It, you know, they can't be recognized for it. Um, you know, exactly. people can't see that it happened. And it means that, you know, no one will remember them, that they won't be, you know, get a, a memorial or anything. Well, actually, no. Well, we'll see something in a couple in a, in a couple months. But um, it's yeah, it's it's a real heartbreaking thing. Um, so four months have passed and Halo swims with Kit the dolphin and Toy yeah, comes by. Smash cut to like a, a ro- almost romantic water scene going it's on. It's true. Yeah. Uh, Halo is apparently on, on complete relaxation after the recent events, but it's time for a ship party. It's a chop party for Luxroth Shop, the guy, the, uh, the uh, you know, rich guy who owns this mm. ship. And chop parties are apparently legendary big deals, basically. Which apparently is like why... Like they like chop party is is like slang terminology on the hoop. That's how legendary it is. Yeah, just for a big deal, not even for like a party, just for a major event. Uh, the ladies return to their room and both feel like something is missing, but can't think of what. Toy prepares the pr- prepares for the party as Halo doodles pictures of Glyph, sort of not recognizing what he's doing. I guess. Yeah, it's um, it's Glyph and. Uh... I think it's a picture of Halo, isn't it? I I don't know. Um, no, it's it's um, Rodice. Okay. Um, so 
the uh, they, they 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 get ready for the party, looking great. Halo tries to talk to Mix, um, and he feels bad about her recent experiences, especially losing Toby because it's a damn fine piece of engineering. Yeah, kind of like yowza, like Mix is like handsome, but not a lot going on otherwise. No, she tries to uh, ha- to ask him to dance, but it's the last dance, and he's snatched up by a uh, Goleteer Suzanne, and Halo mm. finally recognizes her voice, which is that of uh, Swifty Frisco, the news computer from the hoop from book one um, she looks a little bit like Rina. yeah she offers halo an autograph and then goes to dance with mix meanwhile halo is asked to dance by this kid who we've seen around the ship a whole bunch just mm. sort of in in the background and stuff yeah and how this plays out i'm so happy what the reveal is yeah they uh they halo agrees because why not and soon they're dancing just beautifully the whole floor mm. empties out to watch them it's the best dance halo's ever had and everybody like claps for them at the end halo's had a great time she introduces herself to the kid my name's halo and the kid says his name lux Chop. i love the way that it goes out she's like you know like, it's the best dance I've had in my entire life. You're a really neat little kid. And he's like, hey. You know, and he plays it completely cool. He's like, no, the pleasure's all mine. She's like, yeah, before we get back or at the dock, I'll buy you like a, a An Sunday. ice cream or something, right. yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, yeah, uh, see you. I'm the richest guy in the world. Yeah, She's exactly. like, oh. Oh. <laughs> it's just awesome, like. Yeah. After all that, it was a it was a it was a nice reprieve, and it's a moment. and it's a fun setup, but you know because the uh, uh, Luxroth shop's been in the background this whole mm-hmm. like like the whole comic, and so to sort of have that be the thing is is very interesting. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so Halo and Toy have arrived in the planet Charlemagne. It's icy cold, like the oxygen is actually frozen in like in the at, to make the walls of the place. They see a trolley being wheeled out of the presidential suite and onto Ooh. a ship for the tar- Tarantula Nebula. Hmm. Um, and Halo uh, leaves Toy to go to the Solid Air Club so she, she can finally meet Rodice after a year of waiting. Um, if you remember in book one when they left, uh, Rodice said the Solid Air Club is the, uh, is the hottest place on Charlemagne. So it's a surprise when it's empty. Yeah. Apparently, you know, it's, uh, it's one of these things like, you know, it's popular a year ago, but... After a year, you know, trade moves up to other places and stuff. Which, damn. Yeah, Halo, Halo orders for both her and Rodice and overhears the bartender get a phone call. Like, there's no Hello Jones here. <laughs> and Halo rushes over and says it's for her and it's Rodice. Hey, Rodice, where the F are you? Yeah, Halo asks what ship she's on, when she's going to get here, but Rodice breaks the news, which I believe you called right at the end of book one, which is that uh, yeah. she's not, she didn't get on a ship. She stayed on the hoop. Um, she, Too much empty space out there. Yeah, yeah Rodice asks when Halo's coming back, and we've seen, um, and, and, Halo, and Ian Gibson draws Halo Jones's face changing again, like she was smiling and beaming when Rodice's call came in, and now her face is like set and stern and resolute it's just hardened yeah, yeah. It's, and it does so over the course of like three or four panels it's yeah great. you know she says she isn't coming back to the hoop she never is where will she go <laughs> out that's the only answer damn the bar plays a melodic version of the song Ludie's band uh played back on the hoop in, yeah. in in book one and halo jones Drowns her sorrows alongside the bartender Yordle Bluz Glubbly. And you know, what a weird way to end book two. Like putting you in a weird place, man. Really depressing. Yeah. That's the really end of book awesome. two. Yeah, it, yeah, you know, it's a total it's a total um, you know, this concept of like the Empire Strikes Back ending, right? Yes. Of it being 
a super downer and sort of wondering what Halo is going to do. Um, the Halo Jones book two will return with book three in Prague 451 in the first Prague of 1986. Um, oh, fuck. That's so far. I mean, you know, it's a ways away for sure. But I mean, they're sort of trying to spread these things out. Man, I love this story. Um, yeah, the, uh, the create, you know, the, uh, I've heard it said that the three books, like book one establishes the world, book two establishes the characters, and book three establishes the plot. And just, um, you know, the way we've seen Halo grow and change in the course of, uh, of these two books has been incredible. You know, just we've seen her sort of grow up, be betrayed several times, and sort of see it only strengthen her resolve to like go out to like have an adventure to i don't know find herself her and fi- yeah, yeah find a place in the universe mm-hmm. and stuff um it's incredibly amazing and just fantastic in general i i have so far uh, just eaten up this this like when alan moore is given kind of a place to play for a little while <laughs> um i mean it's fantastic right mm-hmm. like i i like halo jones just when it I kind of started and it was just kind of a cool world. And you're mm-hmm. right, like building like this place. This is like, holy shit. This is just like gut punch after gut punch after gut punch. Like mm-hmm. it sets up like, oh, it's like, look at this ship and things are kind of weird and maybe some adventure shit. Nope. Just like disaster. Yeah. Horrible loss. Yeah. Like disaster, betrayal. Uh, uh, yeah. Loss. Yeah, it's so. And that's it's what so I love good. about a yeah. good story. God damn it! Is that yeah. it's not just. I mean, don't get me wrong. I love the stainless steel rat because it's like a short romp through happy chuckle town. But this is like this is a story, right? Yeah, like, I, I mean, they're, they're, yeah, I mean, they're set now to do different things, you know. And mm-hmm. but I, I think it is an interesting um, um, comparison because they're both about like like ten ten progs long and sort of mm-hmm. tell a complete story, basically, of of comparing the two. Now these different stories with, with different aims are both really excellent, but sort of evoke different emotions and make you feel different ways about them for sure. Yeah, they're it's just super effective. Absolutely, ah. yeah. Oh man, I'm super looking forward to book three, Halo Joe. Yeah, justified classic. I think we can both agree on that. Fuck yeah, man. Yeah. And speaking of um, New Beginnings, Fox. Hooray! Let's kill some fucking shit. Let's smash it. Yeah, buddy. Thrill to slain. I love I love that all of the monsters are Skeletor. Totally. Yeah, script robot Pat Mills, art robots Glenn Fabry and David Pugh, lettering robot Steve Potter. So Slain ended back in May of 1984. It's great to have him back. There's a new creative team here, still Pat Mills writing, of course, joined by uh, Glenn Fabry and uh, David Pugh. Uh, Fabry's definitely the Sean of this particular tag team. He'll go on to do a ton of work in 2000 AD. Though personally, I definitely know him best as the artist for the covers of uh, the Preacher comic. Oh, like he did basically all the—I I think all the—all the covers for Preacher. Um, Slavering teeth, face, and muscle face. Yeah, all that stuff. Um, it's um, also sort of in another round of bad news on this week's podcast. <laughs> um, as we're also as we're recording this, uh, Fabry has just announced that he's been diagnosed with lung cancer, and we wish him Fuck. the best in a speedy recovery for sure. Yes, sir. Um, I, for the record, I like Pew a lot as well. Um, he plays a vital role in this series, as apparently Fabry was kind of bad at deadlines, so Pew sort of filled in a couple um, a bunch of times, sort of providing things. Slain going at a ridiculous pace for a long period of time. Oh. So, okay. um, listen, Fox. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
All right. Yes, Professor. Okay. So, well, let's talk about Slain first. All right. Like, you know, we know that we remember Slain. He's a warped warrior in this sort of uh, uh, pre-flood, like, um, British Isles kind of thing. Yeah. Um, it's not a lot of ocean where there is a lot of ocean now. Yeah, exactly. Uh, we last saw him, his uh, buddy, the dwarf Ucko, and uh, druid college graduate um, Nest <laughs> flying off, to, attempting to get to Slane's tribe on the back of a cool bull dragon called the Nooker. All right? We all remember this stuff, right? No bad way to end a D&D campaign. Absolutely. Hey, so let's talk about this other stuff. Um, okay. Millions like time- of yeah, millions of years ago, there was a demonic alien. There's a demonic alien race, the Scythrons, who lost a war for mastery of the galaxy or of the stars, and were exiled to were the. They, pla- oh. Did they did they fight He Man, and then they didn't get the the they were no longer the masters. of the I mean, race. they definitely got a Skeletor by way of like. I want to say like kind of Aztec-y kind of look, I guess. Yeah, with like a with like a Gager sort of like. Oh yeah, yeah, sort of yeah, multiplied by H.R. Geiger by a, a bunch, um, like like H.R. Geiger squared sort of. <laughs> <laughs> but so yeah, so they were exiled to the planet uh, Scythrall, I want to say, which is surrounded by a force field which they can't escape. Um, but but the, that, that's not going to stop them to tr- stop them trying. And so to do so, they started drilling holes in time to a period in the future where the where Scythrall has become a, the planet known as Earth. They wow. enthralled the primitive humans and kept them around for three reasons. One, they uh, they liked being worshipped as gods by the humans. Two, they like tormenting human beings because they're super evil. And three, humans are the key to breaking out of their prison, and that's the long-term plan. Okay, then. Maybe you shouldn't torment them a whole shitload, but I guess whatever. I mean, listen, tormentor's going to torment, buddy. Uh, That's fair. (laughs) Don't hate the tormentor, hate the torment. Yeah, although, you know, the tormentors... What, I'm not going to... This is getting into Woodchuck Chuck's uh, territory. (laughs) Um... But all this is being told to Slain and and uh, Uko by the Druid Nest as they fly aboard the Nooker that they stole, you know, the big dragon they stole previously. As they fly through the night, they see lights in the sky. It's Scythrons, and they're attacking uh, Dinas Emrys, the eternal fortress of the Ever Living Ones. Which, all right then, yeah, they're like That's the bo- what that is. Yeah, those guys are the bosses of the Druids, basically. Cool. Um, yeah, fair enough. Um, yeah, so it's mostly under attack by the Scythron's um, armies, the Deluvials, which are ancient versions of humans in terrifying bone armor that use sonic weaponry that liquefies anything, even stone. Yeah, it seems like they can just, like, pick up warriors from whenever across millennia which apparently yeah. like that's just a good paradox to have in your in your yeah, comic book it's sort of the, it's sort of the flesh version of troop recruitment you know yeah <laughs> oh wow that's great <laughs> yeah so the uh the nooker is hit by a sat by sound lava and the party has to ditch in the middle of, of the battlefield uh slain who you'll recall uh, his bone axe broke at the end of the last slain story grabs a sword from a fallen soldier and leaps into battle against the deluvials but soon finds a uh, a laser gun that's a l e y zer gun as in leyline like i'm okay so i'm all right with this but it, it like I'm putting you on notice, Slain. Like, let's not have <laughs> rocket launchers in the next like couple of couple of procs. While these weapons were forbidden by his tribes, desperate times call for desperate measures. 
and uh, Desperate Laser Blasts. The pair blast the Deluvials so much that they manage to depose the Deluvial leader, and, the, and they all bow down before slaying, which is pretty cool. But in his dying act, the former Deluvian boss blows his sonic horn at Slain, and Slain starts to melt. Oh, the meltdown man has finally appeared. Oh, um, my God. He <laughs> find, I mean, wrong. Wrong place to melt, but melting nonetheless. Yeah, uh, a point to Gryffindor. <laughs> um, so the next frog opens with a list of terminology for sort of this new slain story. Oh yeah, the big one here is, uh, for me at least, is the UFO connection section. Oh my god, it was excellent. Which, um, listen, if you want to really sort of dive into some conspiracy theory talk, uh, look up the term ultra terrestrial in Google and just, um, just, just click any link you find, and you're gonna go down a <laughs> rabbit hole that's real <laughs> ridiculous. Uh, like, really oh yeah it's one of these uh wikipedia pages where you start reading it and you're like man i feel like i feel like 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 the the part of wikipedia that's always asking for donations does not know about this wikipedia article oh my being god written. the interdimensional <laughs> hypothesis known as the idh or ih anytime there starts being oh. a lot of a, a lot of big um abbreviations and stuff you know you're in you're in crazy town buddy <laughs> oh my god what a my EKG meter out. I'm going to look for ghosts. Going to go interdimensional. Yeah, live it up. Uh, so a bunch of Atlanteans are swooping over the fortress on their own war dragon, and they're attacked by the Nooker as part of a dominance display the dragons do. Uh, Slain and the rest jump off a cliff, which causes the liquefying sonic attack to be re- redirected to the cliff side and cushions their fall. Hey, why not? Yes, yeah, Slain and Nesta are attacked by a, uh, a blazing disc that comes flying toward them, and Nesta is enveloped in a brilliant light. Meanwhile, yeah, someone like grabs her in the face. Yeah. Meanwhile, the dragons fight in midair, and the Nooker is triumphant. Magruth, the dragon's rider, swears revenge on the Nooker's owner, i.e., Slain. And and my, he, my yeah. favorite box in this is like the Nooker just flies around like like with the torn wing in his mouth, just like. Throwing it around, kind of yeah. like, yeah, I'm the best dragon. <laughs> totally. And evil entity materializes out of the light, oh, and he yeah, goes weird. to cut Nest's throat with his armored chin spike, but Slain blasts him with his laser gun. <laughs> the, uh, I mean, it seems completely ineffectual other than the giant gaping melty wound. Yeah, but it's Beatus has sort of fouled his armor, basically, and Slain desperately dodges eye lasers to find the central ley line grid, which he uses to overpower his gun and blast away the Scytheron suit and then cut off his head. Slain holds the head aloft. He's killed the Scythron leader as the druid as the druid boss, uh, Murden, muses that he'd be that he'd better be good if he's gonna be a time killer. So great. Also, apparently what's underneath their weird, crazy fucking armor is just uh two people. Yeah, deadly squid uh kind of squid mask guy. Um mm-hmm. Eight, um, so 413 Prague opens with a laser scan of Slain, Ness, and Ooker in defense of, Den- of oh, Dennis Irmies as like the Nooker flies overhead. Full sword and laser. 100% heavy metal album right here. It's pretty uh, awesome. <laughs> David Pugh takes over on art as Slain, Ness, and Ooko fly into the Druid's eternal fortress. Slain blasting his way in. By, yeah, I was going to say by flying in, you mean shooting a hole in the side so that you can land your sweet dragon. Yeah, right. you know, you got to be cool. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, with the with with the Scytheron leader's head, Slain is hailed as a hero, but not by Magruth, who we just saw um, kill his like his war dragon that was in, fatally injured by the Nooker. The two of them go to fight. 
And um, Slane trying to rip off the dude's head because, quote, he's a headhunter. That's what he does. Yeah, they have a big fist fight and they seem even, evenly matched. Eventually, uh, Merdin, who we've learned in the side notes, is also Merlin of King Arthur fame. Um, and also totally like a weird uh, pincer bug hat dude. Yeah, he's got a total bug hat. Um <laughs> <laughs> like weird. a like a beetle hat kind of um but you know he um says he's he's lets them fight to get a sense of slain's fighting ability and as his uh even as his visors call slain a mindless brute not like arthur or finn finn coming to 2000 ad in like the 700s i want to say another pat mills like oh, okay. druid warrior guy um cool. with a with 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 twin Uzis, which I always appreciate. What the uh, fuck? Yeah, it's uh, more future. It's more present day. It's complicated. Okay. Um, okay. <laughs> anyhow, Merton doesn't uh, brook disagreement from the pigs he has swine heard of. Um, in the end, though, he stops the fight and we re-meet Cador the Dodman, who I think was that guy in the cart with Slain and Uko at the start of the Dragon Heist yes. story, if you remember yes, that. Yeah. I, so, I like how it doesn't actually mention that specifically. It's just like uh, from some time in the past. You, don't got, like, well, you know, we don't got to be slowed down with details. Um, that's fine. <laughs> after this brief respite, though, the Scythrons restart their attack and both Slain and Magrath take to powerful fixed gun positions to shoot the enemy Gatling down. Gatling guns. Yeah. Well, Gatling like laser with an EY guns. Yeah. <laughs> Uko reloads the lodestone on Slade's gun and thinks about writing a saga about all this as Myrdin uh, laments the loss of Scythron life because, after all, he's half human and half Scythron himself. Dun, dun, the, dun. Weird, the weird kawaii bubbles around his face and eyes while that's going on. I'm just like, what's going on here? He's like thinking, you know, thinking deep thoughts. Uh, meanwhile, the Scythron leaders, Mirakothka <laughs> and Maluk Slough, I'm trying my best, um, observe... <laughs> they observe the battle and prepare to unleash the great worm Krom Kruak, the mighty beast that will terrify the humans as he destroys them. Man, but is this not uh, Krom Crouch from Slough yeah, Fag? I found the, I found the better way to pronounce it, but yeah, yeah, Krom Kruak uh, arrives on the battlefield. He's a giant monster of tentacles and angry mouths on a bloated worm body. He's a giant slug monster, and yeah, this is what Maeve would have married back in the day. It's got no yeah. bones, it's got no brains, just a hunger and a will to rock and roll. <laughs> <laughs> Shooting. Shooting tentacle lasers while yeah, it's sending yeah. people through time stomachs. Absolutely. Uh, uh, Magruth's daughter, Clacta, uh, a warrior woman, leaps into the fray. She fights savagely but loses her balance and falls into a pool of the beast's slime. Um, meanwhile, I, yeah. maybe not good. I don't it's, know. It's true. Meanwhile, uh, we learned that Slain and Uko can't see the monster at all, I guess, because um, it moves too fast or is too timey. That's in between dimensions. Yeah, it's too wibbly wobbly timey wimey for uh, for normal humans oh. to see him, which explains how he was going to be able to like eat Maeve or whatever in the uh, So in drink the this mushroom tea and totally trip out with us. That's right. Listen, we got to get you got to get we, we got to be rolling if we're going to take down these things man you gotta it's be peeking kind of if you're gonna fight evil <laughs> um, oh my god yeah so as um as the boys are able to see uh crom they also see his mighty power he shoots beam that and those hit by his power suddenly age to dust in a matter of seconds 
Mm-hmm, okay. Uh, Magrath sees his daughter in danger, and Oko goes to help, uh, first relieving her of her rings and necklace, but uh, Slain intervenes and fully saves her, as it seems that ordinary human beings are immune to Krom's attack. And yes, and I guess she's not an ordinary human being. No, she's one of these. Um, she's like a fighter for the for the. For the ever-living ones, so I think she's got a different, like, uh, heritage or something like that. Yeah, I think they call her out as being Atlantean. Yeah, because, yeah, you know, that's right. Yeah, these guys are Atlantean. Um, so they get hit by the Crom Beam, um, <laughs> and <laughs> Slain blocks Clacta and says that he's protected her. Um, but, you know, and it mostly works as they're hit by uh, Crom's time power. But Clacta's, half of Clacta's face is hit, turning it into a gross, aged mess. Oh, it's bad. Oogie. Not good, yeah. I should say, yes, for the record, uh, Krom's power is um, choosing poorly in the ra- in uh, Indiana Jones and the Temples of Dooming People. Um, <laughs> anyway. <laughs> wow. wow. It's the same thing where that guy got super old. Anyhow, um, Clacta laments her injured face as they head into battle. Uh, Scythrons materialize around them. The druids draw power from the Great Mound of Silbury Hill, which is a real thing, to power their laser guns. It's like featherhead dude was like we're using that to make things green around here and he's like no nah, i'm superseding you we gotta shoot this worm yeah we gotta not be killed buddy <laughs> so um meanwhile slain fights the scythrons he, he uses his cool laser shield to block eye beams and after his sword breaks <laughs> he stabs one of the demons with its broken blade bound and down and down it just like right in the temple just like yeah all right dude yeah hit by powerful lasers Krom is forced to release to retreat into time as Uko just unleashes a constant rain of death snaps on Clacta's face it never ends he's constantly <laughs> burning her for being ugly it's ridiculous um Slain prepares to head off just sort of back to uh, to his tribe and stuff but Mirden has a mission for him Slain must kill Elfric Serpentai the Scythron agent posing as the Prince of Norway in the far future the year like 900 I think um, I yeah. just don't know how that could be a prince. Look at what dude looks like. Yeah, he's uh he's fighting a war a thousand years from now because he's an L, a race of men who live in the t- in the time stream. He's able to change shape and conjure demons. He's a crazy alien sh- uh, changeling. We see him defeating some Celts, killing them all despite having like a spear through his chest. The Celt leader surrenders, and Elfric stabs him with his chest spear, and he's this ridiculous. Three-eyed monster with weird hair, ton of ear piercings, and I would say, like, he really reminds me of uh, of the Kurgan in uh, Highlander, you know. Correct. That's sort of like, that same sort of uh, <sighs> unstoppable monster that's also got some weird, like, uh, personal issues going on. <laughs> Anyhow, next time we'll confirm the, the cliffhanger. This is the man we want you to kill, Slain. Time to earn that that time killer uh, title. Oh my god, there's so much going on here. Um, <laughs> just... There's a lot of definitely killing a lot of things. Yeah, a lot of, like, we just dro- drop into this war zone. The whole genre of Slain has changed to this, like, uh, uh, science fiction setting and stuff. Um, I mean, sure, why? Yeah, I'm not against it. Far be it, far from it, but it's just really neat just to see this massive change and just sort of how they're sort of, or how Mills is like, yeah, is is reforming this character to be this, um, yeah, like a time traveling killer, basically. <laughs> what what happened to Slough Fag? He he, um, you know, he's he's there. He's gonna show up pretty soon. Uh, spoilers, I oh, guess. Okay. 
but yeah, no, he's he's still on the board. You know, he's he's um the uh, the Scythrons are sort of the are sort of his bosses basically. Okay, I see how this is because I didn't know like how close together they really were, but it sort of makes sense. Yeah, no, I like he's like, like what Slaufeg is doing is is like like his like plan for the apocalypse we saw last time is sort of at the behest of the Scythrons, I, I imagine. Or that that's what it seems like. Sorry if that's a spoiler. I don't know. No, um, whatever. I mean, yeah. like, look, man, we're about to go do some time killing. I'm into that. Absolutely. And hey, speaking of, or no, I guess now that we've had one story end and one story begin, let's just kind of have some Monster of the Week stuff finally. <laughs> with, Fuck yeah, dude. I love Scooby-Doo. Yeah, with uh, Thrill 3, Judge Dread. <laughs> Scripture about John Wagner and Francis. <laughs> Script robot John Wagner and Alan Grant as T.B. Grover. Art robot Ron Smith, Robin Smith, and Kim Raymond. Letter robot Tom Frame. Oh, man. Time to wrap up this Hunter's Club business, am I right? Yeah, it's cool. Uh, Chip Chegley, would-be Hunter's Club member, has been killed by a fellow member after refusing to kill a housewife. Um, his his The uh, change in artists, um, I think, from Cliff Robinson last time to uh, Ron Smith has moved his bullet wound from his forehead to his chest. Buff. <laughs> um, all right, then. Yeah, you know, it's how it goes sometimes. Dredd and the judges investigate and realize that Chip named his accomplice in a Hunter's Club warning call, a guy named Bub. Sounded like Bowed to me. Or Bud. I don't know. Um, <laughs> so weird. Um, Dredd breaks the news to Chip's widow at her home in the Mario Puzo, uh, Puzo blog. Of course, a oh. slightly mispronounced or, or misspelled name of the guy who, who, who wrote The Godfather. Um, and she identifies Bub at... Um, and is arrested for sugar possession, of course. <laughs> in uh, in a streak that Judge Dredd will not break. No, gotta arrest the victims too. Uh, Dredd checks the name Bub in the law computer. There's only five possible Bubs that, that could have done it. And the widow identifies the right one from a, uh, from, from a photo scan before saying that the sugar was actually Chips, her dead husband's. And because that's found to be true, she's then arrested for perjury for saying it was hers. <laughs> <laughs> Which, goddamn, dude, <laughs> pretty good. Bub is put under under surveillance, and the judges walk at, watch as he takes a complex route to the Hunters Clubhouse, only to find the whole place empty. There's, Weird, right? Yeah, there's a note saying that you know he's been burned, and they're picking up shop and moving them's the brakes. Note explodes, Inspector Gadget style, and the Hunters Club wins this round of the great game. And I believe we'll see the Hunters Club again sometime in the seven hundreds. Which, you know, who's inventing exploding paper? Because that just feels dangerous. Yeah, I mean, you know, I mean, I think even now you could um, make like a really, like, get get plastic explosive really thin and have like a micro detonator in it or something like that, you know, um, if you wanted to. Dark. <laughs> yeah, I had, a, I had a plan in a, when I was a kid, I had an idea for that in like a, in like a science fiction novel, but let, let's not get into it here. Um, okay. Yeah, don't don't spoil your. Yeah, Robin Smith takes over as Monstroso, a oh, giant construction worker robot has gone insane, and we have not had one of these in a while. <laughs> yeah, I like to think of him as one of the heavy metal kids from the Robot Rebellion way back in 1977, sort of all grown mm. up. Um, <laughs> I think this is also uh, Robin Smith's first full work as a uh, as an artist in in the magazine in the uh, in the comic we've seen him mm. do covers and stuff and i believe it's because um he was previously 2080's art director 
But in 1985, they sort of eliminated that position, so he went back to being a freelance artist for 2008. Well, what's, and- what's crazy is that this one actually feels like something. Yeah, it's got a very sort of classic, does. like, Monster of the Week thing. It's like, yeah, it reminds me a lot of that time when Dredd fought that giant mechanical ape in, like, Prog 5 or something. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I agree. It's a very sort of, like, Monster of the Week feeling story. Like, mm-hmm. or, um, and then just sort of there being a big thing and dread is sort of punching his way through it also does feel pretty old but but yeah but, just but, goes yeah. inside a thing and shoots it in the inside eye yeah but like it's old school in a way that's like um you know that is refreshing Charming. after you know yeah after like a big mega epic and a couple other sort of uh, more, more complex things you know um but yeah so giant machine destroying the city judges have arrived one gets crushed underfoot while another tries for the control panel and gets smushed um, Dread arrives and makes the jump for the monster's head, holding on to the monster's eye socket for dear life, which is pretty cool. Um, and then just drops into its mouth, which I guess is like, don't worry about it. Well, it seems like the mouth is like where the uh, where the cockpit for the mon- for the uh, for the machine is, like it's, it's where the it control panel sense. is and stuff. It doesn't need to eat. Yeah, and it seems like it's yeah. And if you're building a anthropomorphic, you might as well have their human parts, their human-looking parts, serve a purpose, you know. Um, mm-hmm. in the control panel, he just starts shooting up, shooting it up to destroy, you know, the fine mechanics as Monsteroso yeah. starts punching himself in the face to get rid of Dread. The monster punches himself so hard that he decapitates himself and Dread <laughs> falls to safety. Uh, with the monster destroyed, let's find out who's responsible and make some arrests. Heads are gonna roll. Get it. <laughs> Jesus. Oh, that's awesome. All right. And now for, like, the most annoying thing that could happen at a party, I guess. Yeah, Kim Raymond does art as a bunch of rich jerks go to play Spud Spug Bug, which is basically calling random people and doing prank calls on them, essentially. Um, I love the opening for this because it's like, you know, like the like the music's getting low and the party's entering its next phase. But there's always some jerk that pops up and says, Spug Bug, let's play Spug Bug. And, and oh hey, I just happen to have the phone here. You know, I always have it with me. It's, it's weird, like you, right? Yeah, it's like when you're trying to get to the uh, to the makeout part of the party, and someone pulls out their cards against the humanity sleeve or something. Cards against humanity sleeve or something. Uh, anyhow, when it's just not that kind of party. You exactly. Know? Yeah. So they get an old guy to drop his pants for a million credits, and then claim it to be a judge, the judge enticement squad, and sentence him to ten years for indecent exposure, and he dies of a heart yeah. attack. It's um, really horrible. Yeah, a uh, a judge investigates and uh, identifies the caller. Dreads coming after him. We see the prank oh, calls yeah. continue of them being extremely mean to a bunch of people, like including like calling a kid that's got like bad acne and like yelling at him for being like a spot face. Yeah, we're calling the- a dude just really smelly, and he's just like, I don't, I don't actually stink that bad. Like, yeah, like right what- now, I'm out. Yeah, what the heck? Um, anyhow, Dread bursts and enters their apartment, comes in, arrests them all for murder. Spug bug, maybe you should just stick to after dinner mints. <laughs> I don't get it, but yeah, I mean, you know. Yeah, fair enough. So, Ron Smith's back on art in a uh, bad part of Mega City, one where a kid gets knocked down by an adult and the kid sets him on fire with his eyes. Yeah, what the hell? The ki- some kids in a spug gang witness this, apparently it's a brand name, um and later Dreg is investigating the body. The lab tech says it's a case of spontaneous combustion. There's four or five cases a year. Dread wonders if it might be a sigh, but frankly that's even more uncommon than spontaneous combustion. <laughs> 
Um, and then dude's just like, hey, and if you find one, like bring it to side division because yeah. you can actually use this. Absolutely. Later on, the Spugs show up at the door of this kid, Primo, and basically blackmail him into doing stuff for them. He's a recent immigrant from Puerto Nova and has a pretty rough fanatic, fanatic in, um, accent. <laughs> yeah. It's a... Uh... It's a family of stogies. Indeed. Uh, these spugs b- bring Primo to a nearby Mothane tank and force him to use his powers on it. And Which... Yeah. It explodes in a massive fadoom. It takes out, like, so... Like, I can only imagine millions. Yeah, a ton of people. There's really amazing art um, by Ron Smith here showing the shockwave of the explosion. Just a full page of it, of death and destruction. It's really great. Like, I always say, no one destroys Mega City 1 like Ron, like a Ron Smith. Um, it's really uh, terrifying. Yeah, people are burning and dying, and Dread calls in an emergency, and these spugs seem pretty sp- uh, pumped about it. Um, yeah, they are celebrating. It's the last panel, just dancing in front of this burning inferno. Absolutely. The uh, the Holocaust Squad is called in for the Mothman explosion. Squad. Yeah. Um, as Dredd and another judge investigate a nearby spontaneous combustion case, a guy carrying a payroll has been reduced to ash and the money mm. stolen. Um, Dredd has the sector checked for size as uh, Primo and the Spugs return to the Ferd Marcos block uh, for the uh, president of uh, the Philippines, Ferdinand Marcos. The um, the news comes in and the judges start sweeping the blocks. Primo admits his crimes to his parents who weep for their lot in life and the 30 years in the cubes that Primo is sure to get. There's a knock at the door and Judge Sharba has arrived and Primo burns him to death, but not before he can charge. He can call it in because Judge Sharba is about that life. Um, Then then he died because of it. Um, (laughs) Dredd responds and finds the judge's body. Meanwhile, Primo has arrived at the apartment of the Spugs, where he burns the money they stole and then sets them on fire as well. Dredd arrives. They kind of deserved it. Yeah, absolutely. These guys are not cool kids. Dredd arrives and confronts Primo, who refuses to go to the cubes, and said combusts himself to death. Which, man. Tough, depressing. Damn. Yeah. Yeah. Dread heads down and arrests Primo's family for not reporting their son's mutant powers. And they, in fact, do get 30 years in the cubes. Hooray! Everybody gets punished. Great 30, job, Dredd. 30 years for everybody. Why not? Next time on Judge Dredd, Sunday Night Fever. Okay. Bam, 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 bam. Anyhow. Um, yeah. Good stuff. Oh, man. So much stuff in the front half of 2018 this month, Fox. The, the good shit, man. Yeah. Yeah, so much. Just five progs and a lot to talk about in each one. But let's cool things down at the midway point with oh, Non-Thrills, Covers, and Nerve Center. I, I believe I, uh, I described to you the cover for 411 as um, a sweaty, horny sleep. That's right. Yeah, I asked you to um, – it was funny because I asked you to, to, uh, to, to message me as soon as you read Halo Jones because I knew there was going to be some feels about it. <laughs> and yes. first you said, man, Prog 411. I'm like, yeah. He's like, oh, Slain looks like a real gross. I'm like, oh, man, you got to get, get inside <laughs> that thing. Um, <laughs> So Slane oh is ba- so Slane's back in time. Killer Glenn Fabry draws and or Fabry draws an awesome cover that captures both I think old Slane and the new setting we're being tossed into. 
in the nerve center. Slane introduces us to the new artists and mentions that there'll be a Slane refresher here in the comic. There's a picture of a newly hairy nemesis, the Forlock. Letters about 2000 AD being distributed. It's pretty good. Being distributed around groups of friends, which Tharg denounces by her own. And then there's a list of reputable comic shops around England and Scotland to shop at and for people to stop constantly asking for back issues from 2000 AD management. No, well, the, I mean, it's just going to happen. Yeah. At the end of the prog, there's an ad for the newly merged Action and Tiger. Greetings from London, where Tharg has taken over several tourist attractions, including Nelson's Pillar, and has become the face of Big Ben. <laughs> Go for it. Uh, prog 412, I crush you good. Don't break the law, creep. Uh, Monstroso-sized double cover from Robin Smith. In the Nerve Center, the Rasta Thargian announces some free gifts for English readers in the form of a Masters of the Universe sticker album. Um, Here we are, born to be kings. Yeah, but man, that's it's I not know. the it's not the Highlander one; it's the He-Man one, which I don't even remember if that has a theme song. <laughs> what uh, the princess w- was the Queen song the one for He-Man? Oh, no, wasn't it? No, maybe I am thinking of. Uh... It's definitely for Highlander, but I can't imagine that being a, for Highlander. I can't imagine a, <laughs> I can't imagine Queen being used in a 1985 like Saturday morning cartoon to sell toys. That just seems like it'd be expensive. You know? I guess I should have you know I should have just referenced uh, Four Non Blondes, you know, and that would have just been a lot more acceptable. <laughs> um, so letters include a cheap Prog One found from a village hall, which I assume is some sort of swap meet. Um, uh, 2000 AD helping kids study habits. Letters about old people reading 2000 AD people as old as 20 whoa whoa oh my god <laughs> and a letter for the forthcoming Judge Dread RPG game which I have uh, cheers really? to the Mega City Book Club yeah uh, Eamon oh, did yeah. a uh, d- did an episode on it and then I was like hey who wants this and I was like yes I will take that <laughs> <laughs> no it's it's a real complicated like mid 80s RPG although there's actually I should say a new Judge Dread RPG just launched a Kickstarter as we're um, recording this episode, and will probably st- and will still be up um, as we're putting it out. So check that out for sure. I I backed it yeah. like like a, te- a terrifying degree. I'm pretty excited about it. <laughs> <laughs> Frog four fifteen. The hunt is on for Halo for Halo's bones in this oh. Ian Gibson cover of a melting. Um, Toby, that is both terrifying wow. and super iconic. You see this a lot in like famous 2000 AD covers. Fucking nice. It really is. In the Nerve Center, uh, Tharg the Resident from the Avant-Garde Music Group announces the release of He-Man stickers and a Peak Freens contest, which are very serious cookies. Um, there are okay. letters... Yeah, I mean, it's a cookie brand, whatever. Um, there are letters about DR and Quinch playing tennis, which is a previous, like, you know, back page poster. Letters from Strunt, about Strunty about computer games, requests for an Anderson solo comic, which is coming in like three progs. Uh, yeah. yeah. Frog 4, 414, it's Cliff Robinson's first cover of a, of like over a hundred with a very spiffy Judge Dredd in the Nerve Center, Thargo, that's a Tharg plus Pharaoh. It's got more He-Man stickers and reminds us that the eighth birthday of the Prague is coming soon. Picture of Judge Toby, which is messed up because that dude's a killer, like seriously. Yeah. Um, really is. Yeah, like check back to last episode as I try to bait Fox into saying that he likes Toby. Um, so then he destroyed the next one. <laughs> but he didn't he didn't rise to my bait, which I think is pretty funny. 
<laughs> I do what I can, I guess. <laughs> um, and there's letters about an exhibit at the Natural History Museum in London using Beetlejuicean terms, an upside-down map, um, a question about the upside-down map in Hell Trekkers, moms letting kids borrow their library cards, teachers who give away their 2080 comics to students. The prog ends with a very nice pinup of Judge Anderson by Brendan McCarthy, consi- <laughs> considering a criminal act. Don't even think about it. As she like stands above the city doing Doctor Strange hands, which I really like. <laughs> Fuck yeah. Prog 415. Bright eyes burning like fire. Ron Smith draws. So yeah, he draws the powers of Primo and a reference to, I guess, an Art Garfunkel song. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Frankentharg is stoked for the anniversary prog next time and hails the end of Halo Jones and Hell Trekkers. There's a very detailed pictures of Johnny and Wolf. Letters ask about Johnny's um, Stront SD badge, which is Strontium Dog, I think, or Search Destroy Agent, actually. Mm. Um, a teacher who went to school with Ian Gibson. A oh. letter exposing Feek as the Aztec god Mictanel Tecaluti, which I okay. I'm sure I mispronounced pretty badly. But yeah, like Feek's clearly no based Aztecs on. around to give a fuck, man. So man, yeah, they are. They're, they're Mexicans, buddy. <laughs> but well, you know what I mean. But like, but 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 also Aztecs. yeah. But it is cool that um, you can see the statue that's clearly Feek in, um, in a museum, basically. Uh, Mid Prague, there's a contest where twenty five with twenty where twenty five Armatron Robo Arms must be won, which is my favorite phrasing for um, comic book contests. And there's a preview for next week's Prague with a contest for a Commodore Robo Turtle. Just to be really clear. It's a giant flying space turtle, and on the flat part of the top of its back is definitely a, a magic. Uh, go check out really long with comics and video. I think also, like, beside the obvious Discworld thing, um, I think it's also and this thing where basically you can uh, you can enter in, like, a basic program, you know, and move that the, the turtle around there, and those moves will be mapped onto a, the real-life turtle that uh, moves around your house. I believe that's what this toy is, yes. That's cool. Yeah. And it looks Learning like a... Code. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, we, 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 we've we talked about Brits being way more into this microcomputer coding and stuff than they were here in yeah. the States, you know? They used to make programs. So that's, yeah. that's true. And hey, speaking of, um, I guess, fun computer Whatever. use? Or just the... <laughs> the endless battle between ants and bats? <laughs> it's, uh, it's a true battle. I know where I fall on the line there. Mammals all Mm, it's Thrill 4, Rogue Trooper. So script robot for Rogue Trooper, Jerry Finley Day, art robot Jose Ortiz, letting robot Bill Nuttall. So, right. yeah, Rogue's on the planet horse. He's just shot down a Nort man bat alien. They think he's dead, but he ain't. Um, no. this, this planet seems rough. Um, and they aren't even sure where to find this antigen that they're looking for, so it's bad times. Uh, uh, Rogue tries to walk the land as more man-bats fly overhead, and we see them attack a human-sized ant hill full of souther man-ant aliens. What are we going to do about that, I guess? Yeah, the chips suggest leaving them until the, until the bats pull out the human leader of the ants and tie him to a stake. Which I guess at that point qualifies them for being rescued. Yeah, basically. I mean, mostly just because the um, rogue figures that this human might know about stuff about the planet, including the antigen, and he ain't got long to live. That's fair. 
Yeah. Okay, so uh, Rogue shoots down the human and fights his way through the bats, hitting him with grenades as Gunner shoots on Otto. It's pretty cool. It's like, I'm going in plasma fisted. <laughs> so great. Rogue wipes the bats out and questions the human. He's been there for 15 years as a military advisor for the Southers. His plant's full of different aliens, but these and the Southers picked wrong, going for the bugs instead of the bats. And because of this, they've lost <laughs> the war and the plant's been abandoned by the Southers, which is news to rogue the, just like yeah oh yeah we knew he didn't know yeah yeah we learned it from the um high command but he wasn't aware of this that's um, right human says he's got a computer back at his database which i thought was a pretty funny name for which, a landmark um all right then yeah and uh rogue could probably find info there about the antigen it's a five-day hike to get there and rogue says they'll make it in two meanwhile a survivor from the man bat army has identified Rogue and is plotting revenge. As they scrawl on the wall, paint paint his picture so everyone knows. Because you yeah. can't just use screechy bat language to explain it. Yeah, they don't have whiteboards yet, basically. <laughs> um, Great. The, uh, the bats are briefed on Rogue and fly out as the ants, Rogue, and the Hume make their way to the data dump. Bagman checks the computers as the bats fly in to attack. Rogue teaches his classic, oh, I just dig underground and hide under oh, the dirt God. technique. Um, Rich. To the I ants. mean, it served him well. Yeah. And a couple, like, long trenches are dug to hide from the flying menace. But suddenly, a family breaks cover too soon. And the and a bat comes back to attack them. But Rogue manages to hit him with a shovel to death. Oh, he's been shoveled to death. It's pretty good. Yeah. The day is saved, but it looks like this bat has a rogue tattoo on his arm, which means that they know he's here. Hmm. Um, meanwhile, Bagman has found the antigen Neva. Um, it's a natural mineral found in the blue zone. The Hume says it's over the mountains in the on the horizon, a day's march away. Let's go! Uh, rogue heads off with some ants to guide him. Uh, but, sorry, all the place. Yeah, and they make their way to the mountains, dodging man bat patrols nope. as they go. And I really like how Ortiz has drawn the mountains here. They're very like e- evocative and alien as they make their way through them. They reach the rogue heads off into the mountains with some ants to guide him, and they make their way into the mountains, dodging man bat patrols as they go. Um, I really like the mountains that Ortiz draws here. They're very like evocative and like yeah. I don't know, like alien mountain looking. I guess. <laughs> well, they're very like uh, stalagmite. Yeah. Yeah, that, yeah, that kind of look. They reach the end of their journey at a massive cave full of bats. Oh my god, this cave is full of bats. We gotta bash one's head in, I guess. That's right. Rogue realizes the truth that this isn't where the antigen is. Instead, it's Nort Man Bat HQ. It was a trick oh all along. Oh my god. Oh my god. He got uh, tricked. Got played so by this human. Rogue trooper. It's true. Um, now the man, the main man bat force is coming home for the night straight at Rogue and the chips. Uh, Rogue hides and the ants try to disguise themselves as the, as the support crew for the base. When the bats sleep, they try to escape, but it's no good. Rogue is overwhelmed by the bats, but the ants finally arrive to free him. Rogue, Hell yeah. Yeah, Rogue and these ants ride some bats down the mountain on their backs it's pretty cool and rogue hits a mini nuke on the bat on the bat base and destroys them all oh that'll do it i guess yeah rogue arrives to find the remainder of the antoids also killed but finds a note from the souther uh hume saying that the antigen is the next base over they bury the dead and head out rogue promised to make the chips men and that's what he's gonna do 
Well, there you go. And now to go to the Crater Sea. Yeah, next time, the Crater Sea. It's more rogue. Yeah, I mean, I kind of like their fight. Like, the, the, the fighting stuff's pretty good, and I feel like Ortiz has sort of mm. found his pace um, in how he's drawing rogue and stuff. Yeah. Um, so it's fine, you know, perfectly good, like, back of the prog sort of stuff, honestly. Yeah, absolutely. It's a, it's a good closer, and especially for an in-between of just, like... Hey, you ready to get that final punch of depression from this otherwise? Seriously, like, yeah. what the fuck? Yeah, speaking of... It's end- like a depression sandwich. Speaking of ending on down notes, Fox. God damn. <laughs> Thrill 5, The Hell Trekkers. Oof. Yeah, script robot Alan Grant and John Wagner's F. Martin Candor. Art robot Horatio Lalia, letter robot Tony Jacob. So in his book, The Mighty One, Steve McManus remembers um, this back part of the comic has kind of a retro feel to him with sort of two Latin artists, Ortiz and Lalia, doing the art, which I think is kind of an interesting way to think of it. Um, Meanwhile, we're flashing back as part of the Hell Trek is is winching up Edie Rubin's rad wagon when the ropes start to break and the family watching their stuff teeter sort of ran towards it and they're crushed when the wagon finally falls. Jesus Christ. Really? Just God, just poor people. <laughs> Seriously. The rest of the team manages to make it up safely and the trek is rejoined. As night falls, the trek keeps going through Quint's Pass and the wagon's automatically following Rudd's. In the darkness, yeah, he's going to take on the the night, and they can all take a nap. Exactly. In the darkness, as everyone sleeps, those Galder Nebs make their move on Rudd. One of them runs a, runs ahead of the trek and lies in the middle of the road, playing dead. Rudd goes to check on him, and is ambushed by another of them dang Nebs. I swear to God, these <laughs> Nebs. R- r- Rudd takes a knife in the back and starts to scuffle with Judas Neb as Rudd's wife blasts another one of the Nebs. I think Titus, or maybe that was the one that died last episode. But she shoots one of the other Nebs. Yeah, to make sure that the fight isn't uneven. Rudd and the Neb have one of those knife fights where, like, they're both sort of fighting for control of the knife, you know? Um, And uh, Rudd is bigger and stronger. Yeah, so in the end, Lucas, Lucas Rudd kills Judas Neb. He he la- had he had the choice not to, and he was just like, you know what? You just caused one too many problems, man. And like, I'm not gonna blame him. Can you let somebody go like once they've tried to kill you and said that they're definitely gonna try again? And there's no like law or anything. Like you can't just put you them in no jail. They're definitely gonna try again. And there's so many things they can do that they have done to mess up the rest of the trek, which is incredibly deadly. Like, they've been a force multiplier for death several times so far. Um, exactly. Anyhow, but so... Rudd being lawful, neut- or lawful good just fucking decides to cast himself to everybody on the trek like, hey, I could have let him live. Yeah. But and you guys get to judge. And they're like, man, we don't... We didn't even like those guys. <laughs> Like literally everyone's just like, why are you even asking us? Of course it was the right idea. Like most like, yeah. I mean, a lot of these guys have been saying that they should, they should have kicked the nebs out. Like there's dudes in this trek that said they should have kicked the nebs out in Soren Valley day one, you know, yeah, <laughs> like pretty much there'd be quite a few people still alive. Yeah. I mean, or something, you know, um, yeah, like the uh, the lady that died in that mutant attack because the Neb shot one of them and like riled him up and stuff. Oh fuck! I and mean, everybody uh, was killed by the dinosaurs. Banjo. Yeah. So whatever, man. Um, 
So the mom is not taking great to this, and in actually, like, a really sad scene, she's like, no, I'm just going to stay here and just die with my kids. Yeah, and uh, she lays uh, Ma Neb, hears the news, and stays behind the bodies of her boys. The Trek's head, the Trek heads off as she swears revenge. Only 38 of the 111 Trekkers still survive with 300 kilometers Ugh. to go. The Trekkers are through Quince Pass and very close to the end of the trek. The quickest way is due west, but Fox, you'll recall that Quint strongly said not to do that, not to go that way. He did it with his dying breath. Rudd tries to explain this to the rest of the trek, but five wagons decide to ignore him and head off west, due west anyway. I know. It's like Bish decided and like... Bish has been like a like an inline dude for this whole thing the whole time. But man, like you know, when you're almost there, it's hard to stick to discipline. I think Rudd and the Trekkers head north. Though first they check in on uh, on the Koosh wagon just to get some racism in, and then uh, Bish Glemp Glemp has to uh, fish little Crustacea Glemp out of the water tank by letting her claw his nose. It's Radwagon's Ho as the Trek enters into a huge electrical storm. The radar is all messed up and the Trek enters a canyon where some mountains, where some mutants start tipping rocks onto them. It's an ambush. Which damn guys, come on. Under an assault of rocks and heavy fire from guns, the Trek powers through. One wagon is destroyed outright and another is stopped, forcing its inhabitants to run to another wagon to safety. People are dying left and right. A goddamn baby in arms gets a shrapnel yeah. wound to its forehead, which is the saddest thing I've seen in comics. <laughs> like, for real. Dude. And it's like no one noticed until you're inside and there's just this fucking dead baby. And Seriously. God- yeah. God damn it. Yeah, even um, Rudd's son Bud catches a sniper oh. bullet through a, a, a gap in the rad wagon. Um, no, the mutants keep attacking and the Trekkers fight them off, finally making it through. While trying to move through a swampy morass because of this constant rain, someone's grandma gets fatally struck by lightning, but at least oh. they finally made it through. As the Trek approaches the Black Hills and Journey's End, Bud Rudd dies in his father's arms fucking sad man yeah it's time for one last funeral as they approach the new territories as they're uh as they're finishing it up well yeah some other wagons uh come out of the haze all five of the wagons that split from them made it and rudd like starts to second guess himself like oh we've just gone that way my son would still be alive but maybe not because the wagons don't stop and on further inspection they find that everybody inside the wagon has died of fright, and the wagons have just continued on autopilot through whatever they saw. Who knows what killed them? Yeah. So one more round of funerals, and they finally make it to the new territories. Of the 111 people that set out, Fox, six fucking teen have survived. Oh, my God. <laughs> um, if, there's, uh. if there's any comfort, it's that Lucas's Ru- Lucas Rudd's wife was pregnant this whole time, so they'll be have new life in place of their of a of a of poor bud um we wrap things up as the Leho Kush crew t- uh, turns their wagon into the territory's first mobile Chinese takeaway. Jesus Christ. Um, we learn Weena Scargill's boils never clear up. Another guy founds a church, and Crustacea Glimp swam into the waters of the territories and just scuttled away. They say you can still hear her father calling out for his lost daughter to this very day. Which, what the, the, the hell? The end of Hell Truckers! <laughs> oh, man. 
I mean, I loved this comedy, buddy. I'm sorry. Like, it's so horrible and such a train wreck of, of like sadness, but it's not written poorly, albeit, you know, the one part that I could do away with is just like, why this shoehorned in like Chinese joke? Uh, I guess whatever. But yeah, uh, no, but yeah. Man, I loved it. I mean, I'll never say that, like, again, like the thing I don't like about Hell Trekkers is just that it's like so depressing. <laughs> You know yeah. what I mean? It's oh, one of absolutely. these like it's one of these like uh like uh, God like some website did a list of like beautiful pieces of art that I'll never re- that that I'll never experience again. You know, <laughs> like mm. all right, like all right, like like this movie's a masterpiece. I'm never watching it again because I'm yes. all sad. You know, and like Hell Checkers is kind of there for me where it's just like. You know, I feel like it's done well. I love the art and like it's definitely mm. a testament to the writing that, you know, I end up feeling this way about these characters despite not really spending a lot of time with them and stuff. But oh, it just yeah. makes you feel real sad, you know? Oh, yeah, dude. No one can fault you for not being comfortable in yeah. the Hell Trekker land. And just the final thing of like one of the funny parts of uh, Crustacea Glemp just sort of disappearing and her father on a sad quest to find her till the end of time is um, is just the final like gut punch, you know? Yeah, it's like, damn, like Bish could just not catch a break. Could not. Oh, man. But with that sad fate, Fox, it's time for our sad fate, which is to uh, now that we've finished reading these comics to figure out what our top and bottom thrills were. Oh, my God. Let me tell you, Conrad. Let me tell you what my top and bottom is. Yeah. My fucking top. Easy. So easy. It's fucking the Ballad of Halo Jones. How could it not be? Mm. How could it not be the Ballad of Halo Jones? One of, like, possibly the finest fucking comic things I've read. And there's still another book to go, and I've got to wait for it, which is horrible. Mm-hmm. I'm, like, I'm so excited and Jesus, how fucking depressing this one was on so many <laughs> levels. Yeah. Um, but you like getting to see her become a, a hardened woman. And I, I just I'm excited to see what happens next and kind of a little terrified. <laughs> fair. That's super fair. So yeah. what's your bottom for this month? Uh, you know, so nothing like stood out as like this, this bad experience mm-hmm. for me. Um, like, obviously, uh, Hell Trackers is a close second to top. But, uh, you know, if I were to pick one, uh, like, I'd probably go with Rogue Trek. I had to think there for yeah. a moment just because, like, like Judge Dredd, you know, they weren't, like, spectacular, but it was nice to kind of go to Thing a Week, like you mentioned. It was, like, a bit of levity in between a lot of, like, intense, like, sorrowful yeah. expression. And, like, I, I'm only putting Rogue there not as, like, it's it's doing poorly. I'm actually kind of interested in what's going on, although I, from what I understand, this is lauded as one of the the worst chapters or like not not the best i mean this, so yeah we'll see i think like i don't know it's hard to tell what everybody thinks but it's definitely sort of things start going downhill after the traitor general but mm. it's sort of you really get the uh the like the uh the stuff that everybody sort of uh is real down on sort of at the end of the year after a jerry finley daily sort you. of trooper okay well i mean that's that's where i'm at man and do you know what i have to know the people must know. Who's your top? <laughs> oh man, spoiled for choice um, for top this yeah. th- this this episode for sure. Um, 
Like, yeah, like the, you know, Slane does such a ridiculous thing. Um, I really got to mention it a little bit, just the, how it sort of shows up and just changes genre, basically. And just becomes. <laughs> it doesn't give a fuck. No, it just sort of like, listen, we got laser guns now. All right. Go. If you don't like it, then screw you. This is this is the new normal, you know. Um, yeah. And just really sort of goes from sort of Conan inspired to this like I don't even know, like its own thing almost. Like I, it's hard. It's like for... fire and ice by way of laser guns. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's a good. That, that's a good reference, actually. But yeah, it's just stuff that's so like out there and different than almost anything else, you know. Mm. Um, but and you know, like again, like Hell Trekkers is is like fine. Like it really <laughs> does. It makes me feel these emotions, and I got to give it credit for that, you know. Mm. Like even if I don't really like to feel them and stuff, um, you know, magical misery tour and all that. But yeah, you know, saying that the top's gotta be Halo Jones. Um, that moment in four eleven where she's listening to the tapes and oh, and fuck. there's that one page um is like like that like set of her of her face changing of uh and then Toby coming in at the end is um is so amazing and affecting and you know terrible and glorious at the same time um and it's just like you feel like it um it distri- you know it the emotion that it 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 gives to you is so um overwhelming like it's always something i can just look at it and like feel things from it and stuff um can't be overestimated such a great story um and i'm you know and it's it, it can't not be the top this especially this like five prog section of halo jones for sure god strong agree man um for bottom it's definitely i'm gonna say either rogue or dread um again not that they're like you know they don't have f's it's just like you know like the uh the mm. finale of hell trekkers is so ridiculous yeah. the end of halo jones is so is such an epic iconic like um you know masterpiece and the start of slain just th- like throws you in the deep end like no throws you to the middle of the ocean and expects you to swim <laughs> like, yeah pretty much that like it's um you know it's hard to top them i guess you know and so but i feel like um dread did a really good job of bringing levity to two other two weeks that were otherwise very sad you know <laughs> like yeah. you you really need like a fun hunters club story or monsteroso or something like that um to let you survive like the end of Halo Jones. Fuck really, man. <laughs> or um or people just dying left and right in Hell Trekkers. Um and I mean also I'd say like the uh the Eyes of Fire story, while I don't really like the uh the, the caricatures of um of the main ca- of the of the uh, main ca- of, of the family in it, um is one of these slice of life um Mega City One stories that I I like, and you know Ron Smith's just, um art, especially that that, that, that Conrad, sorry. Oh, I was gonna say that the uh, that single page of the of the uh, Mothane thing of the Mothane tank exploding by Ron Smith is really great, and so almost it's like terrifying. Yeah, so almost by process of elimination, I have to say, Rogue Trooper. Um, I do like this story. I think it's kind of fun fighting the different aliens and stuff, and um, like the big battles against the the bat got the man bats was was a lot of fun. Um, mm-hmm. But in the end, it just kind of can't stand against everything else that's in the course of this month. <laughs> you know yeah, what I exactly. mean? So that's my choice. Yeah. Um. I, so I guess so- solidarity, Halo on top, uh, Rogue Trooper on the bottom. How Boom. so it goes? Yeah. 
And I hope everybody enjoyed the show. As always, you can find Space Spinner 2000 on iTunes, Stitcher, the Google Play Store, or our podcast site at spacespinner2000.com. Feel free to contact us at spacespinner2000 at gmail.com on the 2080 forums or on our Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter pages on Twitter at spacespinner2k. For everything else, look up Space Spinner 2000 and we should be there. Come back on Thursday as we're going to talk about the 2080 sci-fi special for 1985 and I've got David from Where Eagles Dare so now I've got both of those Ooh. guys doing stuff. It's a lot of fun. Just good good dread action and a final DR and Quinch episode by Alan Moore that is a real treat and I think um, Fox, Ooh, awesome. I'm sending it to you too because I think you're going to really like it. That's um, great. Yeah. And then come back next, next Monday as it's time for the big spring 2000 relaunch. Uh, Dread deals with Sunday Night Fever. Slain lays down the law. That's L-E-Y. Um, right. R- Rogue Trooper gets crabby. And uh, Strontium Dog returns for the big bust of 49. And Judge Anderson returns for a rematch with the four dark judges. That's what I'm talking about. Awesome. Yeah, Judge Death coming at you. Judge Anderson coming at you even more. Until then, I'm Conrad East Fox, and we are Space Spinner 2000. Splendid for free.